Grace, mercy, and peace be upon you from God, our Father, and our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. A very, very Merry Christmas to you and yours. You know, tonight, tonight we celebrate with a holy awe, with a childlike wonder, an overwhelming joy mixed with a a reverential fear of God, of a God who is willing to step down into humanity, who's willing to to robe himself in the messiness of that humanity, who's, who's willing to take the form of a servant and who, in joy, is willing to endure a cross, is willing to enter into death, into the deepest darkness. You see, we celebrate tonight the promise of the one who is light and by whose light no darkness will ever conquer. You see, we celebrate in a holy awe, in wonder, in joy, in peace, in hope. We celebrate a God who comes in the backwater town of Bethlehem, who came to earth without the fanfare fit for kings, but only, only the sounds of a chorus of pack animals. You see, we celebrate tonight the one who was in the beginning and through whom all things were made. We celebrate the God who has come to dwell among us, As John writes in his gospel, the one in whom was life. And that life, that life was the light of all mankind. You see, tonight we celebrate the one who has come to illuminate the ancient truth. The depth and the breadth of God's love for the whole world. The depth and the breadth of God's love for you and for me. Tonight we celebrate as we hear again the announcement of the angels that I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Tonight is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This, my friends, is the illumination of Christmas. Now, before I go any further, I have to pause and say thank you to the, to the many, many hands who make this night possible, to the time and the talent and the energy that it takes to put something like this together. Those who have helped to decorate, who have checked batteries, who have moved lights and pallets, to the many musicians and tech support and ushers and greeters, to many, to many, to many who call this place home and make this celebration of Christmas possible. I say thank you. And to the incredible staff here at Holy Cross, most of their work gets buried beneath the upfrontness of pastors, and so I say thank you. And to an incredible partner in ministry, to Pastor Adam, whose own pursuit of Jesus inspires my own, I say thank you. You know, friends, I have to be truthful. You know, from the, from the very beginning of this series, of this series Illuminate, I've had a hard time taking it seriously. Now, not, not because the content isn't solid or the application of God's word applicable, not at all. I, I, I just had a really hard time taking it seriously because, well, from the very moment that our worship team decided on this series title, the only thing, the, the only thing that would come to my head is, Well, this. Illumination, 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 illumination. That's right. The only thing that would come to my head was minions, not Jesus. 
minions. And so every time the pastor Adam, Adam mentioned illuminate, in my head, I had a little song break. Illumination, illumination, illumination. Every single time. And after every musical break, I had to tell myself, get serious. This is about Jesus. We're talking about Jesus, not minions. We're talking about the one who is light and life. And then God did this really kind of crazy thing. I looked up some details about Illuminations Studios, that the studio responsible for minions, because, you know, there's nothing else to do at the time of Christmas except to get on the internet and start doing this deep dive into Illumination Studios. But, but here's what I discovered, that Illumination is actually the putting together of two words, illuminate and animation. And again, I'm, I'm telling myself, like, get off the internet. This is a hole that has no bottom. Get back to Jesus, right? The light and the life. But here's the crazy thing. Every once in a while, God's Holy Spirit works in ways that you can't possibly imagine. Here's what I mean. Illuminate, defined, is to make something visible by shining a light on it. And animation, defined, means the state of being full of life and vigor, as I looked at those two definitions, the Holy Spirit hit me with his proverbial two by four. This is a studio who is about light and life. Jesus, John tells us, is our light and life. John, in his gospel, says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So, so if I could translate for you, this is what it means. Jesus... His very life, all that he was and is and will be, his life, his life is our light in order to illuminate, to illuminate what? Now, to get to the answer of that question, we need to dive into the Christmas story, but not, not the familiar one with shepherds and stables and inns and mangers. The Christmas story as it's told by John. It's a story that begins not in Nazareth with Mary and Joseph and an angel chorus and a light from heaven, but rather begins in darkness and chaos. So if you want to follow along in our Christmas story tonight, you need to turn to John's gospel, John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Here's what John writes. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Listen, in him was life. Now, I want to pause just briefly to talk about the word, word. John says, in the beginning was the word. And that, that Greek word is the word logos, which, of course, can be translated word, but it can also be translated as reason or logic. Now, now why does that matter? Well, the time of writing, the Greeks, the Greeks believed that logos, reason and logic, that, that it was the thing that animated all of life. It was the thread that held humanity together. And so I believe that John is using the word, word, purposefully. He wants us to see that this Christ of Christmas, 
that this one born in the backwater town of Bethlehem, this one, this one is, is the one who animates all life, and he is the thread that holds all of life together. This word, this logos, was at the very beginning. And for John, the Christmas story begins with God in the very, very beginning, before anything else was made. Before the world was even created, John's Christmas story begins in Genesis chapter 1, where it says, in the beginning, the earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. You see, this story, this Christmas story begins in formlessness, in emptiness, in darkness. It begins in chaos and disorder. And friends, it's into that chaos and disorder. It's into that formlessness and emptiness. It's into that darkness that God says, let there be light. And there was from the very beginning. God has been speaking into chaos and disorder. He has been speaking into emptiness and formlessness. He has been speaking into darkness and creating light. And in the beginning, within that light, God created the heavens and the earth. He created plants and animals. And the crown jewel of his creation was all of humanity created in his image. And there he placed humanity in a garden full of his provision. He provided care for them and companionship for them. He was with them, with humanity in the beginning. And friends, this, as we heard last week from Pastor Adam, is the picture of love. That God, the creator, with his creation and providing all of the life they need. See, John's Christmas story begins at the very beginning where God's love is the animating force of life. And it was the light which broke the darkness. Now, I, I know what you're saying. Well, that sounds all really nice, Pastor, a life of of care and companionship, a life with God, a life where all of my needs are provided for, a life where all we have to do is just live in the love of God. But honestly, pastor, that sounds a bit utopian, right? It, it sounds like a myth. It sounds magical. We live in the real world, pastor, with unmet expectations, with broken relationships, with, with families that are struggling to make ends meet. We, we live in a world, Pastor, of wars and death. We, we live in a world that feels increasingly chaotic. We live in the real world where anxiety and stress are at an all-time high, where depression and suicide are real. We're living in a world where racism is literally ripping us apart, which, by the way, it seems some of the church is a part of the culprit. Let's be honest, Pastor, our world, the world we live in, the real world, feels chaotic and disordered, empty and without hope or peace or joy. We live in the real world. We don't live in the beginning. We certainly don't live in the Garden of Eden. We don't live in a fantasy. We live in this world. This, Pastor, is our life. Now, here's the thing, and it may shock you, but I agree, <laughs> We don't live in the beginning. We don't live in the Garden of Eden. Our world is undeniably broken. You see, the opening of John's Christmas story reminds us how far away we are from Eden. The opening of John's Christmas story reminds us that we are, quite honestly, a very far distance from that place. People are hurting, lonely, 
They're afraid. They're suffocating with shame and guilt. I agree that our world feels chaotic and empty and void, empty and dark, that there seems to be an absence of hope and joy and peace and love. And when John opens his Christmas story with the beginning, he's drawing our minds not only to the Garden of Eden, to a life of perfection, but also the distance that we are from it. He's reminding us of the stark and startling reality that humanity has chosen darkness instead of light. And that choosing of darkness begins, of course, with Eve and Adam as they choose to live outside of the Father's light and life, to go their own way. But make no mistake, friends, it's not limited to Eve and to Adam. John would write later, light has come into the world, but but people loved the darkness instead of light because because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. I know this sounds crazy, but, but we often prefer the darkness to light because when we're exposed to the light of Christ, it will, it will demand a change of our life, a, a dying to ourself, a walking in the spirit, a totally reborn world in which your whole world revolves around Christ and his kingdom. And for most of us, For most of us, that's too much. Like we want the feel-good Jesus, the one that comes in the the snow globe. We we want not one who wants to animate our whole life around his. We we want the bite-sized Jesus, right, that tells us good things on Sundays but doesn't demand more of our week. I see, we, we actually love the darkness because we want to be the rulers of our own lives. And so we stay, we choose to live in that darkness. And so whether darkness has been thrust upon us by life circumstances or we willingly choose to stay there, it does feel empty and void. It feels chaotic and hopeless. But church, this is why we need John's telling of the Christmas story. This is why we need the one who was in the beginning, the one who was with God and who is God. You see, while John's telling of Christmas lacks all of the characters that make up a good 35-minute Christmas pageant, it does something incredibly profound and deeply needed. See, the one whose life was the animating force of all things, the one whose life was the thread holding everything together, the one whose life is the light illuminating all of mankind. This word, this light and life, this is what John says in 14, this word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. Or as Eugene Peterson says, he's moved into the neighborhood. It's like God saying, listen, let there be light into your darkness and into mine. And that light was there and it was good. It's just that it's in the face of a tiny, wrinkly, still covered with amniotic fluid baby born among pack animals in the backwater town of Bethlehem. This is Christ the King. The one who was infinite is now an infant. The one who's all-powerful, omnipotent, is now incontinent. And the one, the one who created the cosmos, can't even help himself. This is Christ the King. This, interestingly, is the hope of all humanity. This is the light that is cracking open the darkness of the world in which we live and the darkness of our own hearts. John is inviting us to see that the one who was at the beginning, the one who spoke the world into being, the one who spoke into the chaos and the disorder, the very one was born as a human 
who is willing once again to step into to chaos and disorder, your chaos and my disorder in order to bring his light and his life. And friends, this is why we call him Emmanuel. This is why we call him God with us. There's this incredible print by a an artist named Scott Erickson, whose own inspiration for his print came from a painting by Sister Grace Remington. And in it, the painters imagine the meeting of Eve and Mary. Mary comforting Eve and Eve looking with a longing at the round belly of Mary. For me, this print, this painting does visually what John is trying to do verbally. You see, entwined in the serpent's grasp, the fruit of Eve's womb is nothing but darkness and death. While Mary, whose foot is crushing the head of the serpent, her child will bring forth light and life. Friends, what is the good news of great joy announced to shepherds? A Savior has been born. The very same word, the one who animates life, the one who's, who's it was the thread holding all of life together, the very same word, through whom all things were given life. This word has been born without fanfare, born into the hustle and the bustle of a dark night in Bethlehem, or as we sing every Christmas, there in the dark street shineth an everlasting light. See, that very same word has come into our darkness so that we might have light and life. But in a way that only God could and would orchestrate. Our life and light comes only through death. This very word, the one who was in the beginning, who spoke into the darkness and cracked it open with light, this Jesus dies a death we deserve, a death for those in darkness. It shouldn't surprise us in the least that Jesus, with each labored breath, hanging from nails and hands and feet as he prays for those who have put him there, the sky grows dark, a foreboding warning of what's to come. And as Jesus breathes his last, he enters into the deepest darkness, the darkness of the grave. But friends, this same word who was in the beginning and through whom all things were given life, this word that puts on flesh and dwells among us, this word who is the light and life of all men is a light that no darkness can conquer, not even the grave. And so it was that three days later at the tomb of Jesus, once so dark with death was filled with light as stone lay aside and the rising of the sun signals a resurrection. You see, the word who was in the beginning the one through whom all things have light and life, this word would once again speak into the darkness, into the darkness of death, crushing its head and bringing forth a light, that that first light, a light that is very good, a light that is his life. Yes, friends, this is what we have to look forward to. This is what we hold on to with our hope. This is our light and our life. This Jesus speaks into your darkness and mine, into your grave and mine. He says, let there be illumination, illumination, illumination. He says, let my life bring you life and light. So friends, for those of you who feel so heavy, so disordered, so chaotic, so broken, so hurt, so heavy in the world's darkness, know that Jesus 
has come this night and it is good news of great joy for you and for me that he's come to bring light and life. See, Jesus has come to illuminate the ancient truth of God's love for his people. He's come to illuminate what has always been true, that God desires you and me to be in his family, and he will go to any length to make that happen. The Apostle Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Shall darkness? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, Jesus Christ is the light and life. And friends, this is good news of great joy. And it is for all people. It is from you and it is for me. You know, it's funny to think that while I couldn't contain my laughter at the thought of doing a series that echoed the minions, I see now that God had a plan and that he'll use whatever means necessary, including minions, to make it happen. And so as you celebrate this Christmas, may you know in greater measure the one who is your light and your life. May you know his illumination. A very Merry Christmas to you and to yours. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard and keep our hearts in Christ Jesus today and every day. Amen.